There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Hey, a movie! Yeah, we're gonna be a movie! Starring everybody and me! There'll be heroes bold, there'll be comedy, and a lot of fuss that ends for us real happily. We are going to start right here. Happy Halloween, everybody. Ish. Halloween ish. Close to it. It's the weekend of Halloween. As far as I'm concerned, Halloween is all three days. <laughs> like a woman's birthday or Christmas. Um, or I don't do that with my birthday. Come on. You're not the only woman on earth. I know, I know, <laughs> I know many who it's like, it's my birthday month. And I know guys who actually say it's my birthday week. Do you really? Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> happy Halloween three days. Uh, welcome to Triple Feature. I'm Mark Radlitz. That's Alexis Hanna from Honeysuckle Rose Creations. And tonight on the marquee is straight out of nowhere. Scooby-Doo meets Courage, the cowardly dog. Muppets Haunted Mansion, and what you've all come here to see us talk about, My Little Pony, The Next Generation, starring Sir Patrick Stewart. No, just that last part I made up. Um, all right, let's 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 get into it. Alexis, uh, a lot of this was uh, your pitch. You wanted to, and we'll start strictly with Scooby-Doo Meets Courage. And I have to ask, even before we get to the movie, what's a Courage the Cowardly Dog? Oh, I have never heard no. of I like I know it exists in the world, but I never watched the cartoon. I have no association with this property. Then it's abundantly clear this movie was not made for you and you did not get half the jokes. That would be accurate. Yeah. Okay. So Courage the Cowardly Dog was a show on Cartoon Network created by uh John Dilworth, amazing animator. The concept was uh Courage was a cowardly dog, this cute little pink dog. Uh, who lived on a farm in literally the middle of nowhere. The, the name of the town is Nowhere. Okay. Lives on the farm with his owners, uh, this elderly couple, Muriel and Eustace. Muriel is kind, loving, and naively blind to a fault. <laughs> and Eustace is cranky and mean and just... A- and the best character in this movie. Sure, why not? <laughs> so what so what is courage about? What kind of what kind of fun things happen? What adventures do they get into? The idea is that just crazy things happen in nowhere all the time. Mm-hmm. It is the place where zombies rise from the grave. It is the place where aliens invade. It is the place where people just anything weird can and will happen right, so we have this like norman rockwell family and their cute little dog and crazy horror things happen in this town and they're reacting to it in some way well courage is reacting to it again Mm -hmm. usually not always but usually muriel and eustace don't seem to notice what's going on courage is the one who figures out what's going on and he's got to save his family now you watched this when it was contemporary when it was like freshly airing Yes, I did. I absolutely loved it. On my old animation blog, uh, Surrealism and Animation, I actually did the top 10 scariest uh, villains from Courage the Cowardly Dog. How long did this thing run for? Uh, hang on a second here. I will tell you. Uh, four again, seasons. Four, wow, okay. It, it, is like currently, the... it is also currently streaming on HBO Max. 
I'm guessing this was what the mid to late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, let's see here. Premiered, uh, 1999 ended 2002. I guess. Right. Well, we have reviewed, we reviewed Scoob last year during the lockdown that went PVOD because there were no theaters available. Um, and we've reviewed Scooby apocalypse on here. We, we have a, a, a fair amount of Scooby content throughout the Rattledge and broadcasting network in years. And, um, it, Sean and I did an on-trial for Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed, which was hilarious. And oddly, one of our more popular reviews. I don't know why. But, um, you know, what's Rob's joke? There's only two buttons at Warner Brothers. One of them says Batman. The other one says Scooby-Doo. How many times did I tell you that's my joke? Oh, that's your joke? That, that is one? my joke. That's... I came up with that years ago. <laughs> that I decided that, that, that it's Robert's? Okay, you always it. say it's Robert's <laughs> joke. And I'm like, oh, my God. Credit for credit's <laughs> too. <laughs> I don't contribute that much to this network, okay? <laughs> Hell, enough. I barely been on this month, okay? I mean, seriously, it's like, uh, hi, how long has it been since you've seen me? It feels like you needed a vacation. Um, <laughs> you didn't even notice I, you know, changed my hair color. I, I did notice. I, I was going to get there eventually. You, you, you changed your, you took all the color out of your hair. It's, it's just straight blonde now. It is lightened. I'm doing deep conditioning treatments until it's time to recolor it. Oh, okay. This, is that is that a natural hair color for you or a uh, couple of shades lighter a couple of shades lighter fair enough all right let's get into it um if you know if you're curious about our history with the scooby-doo franchise i'm sure we covered it when we when we watched scoob so the plot of this thing um straight out of nowhere scooby-doo meets courage cavalry dog i'm mean, assuming this is the first time these two have been paired up yes and no okay. uh there was actually a cartoon network special a couple of years ago and by a couple of years ago i mean quite some time ago uh where they did a uh, marathon set to see who was the more cowardly dog scooby or courage mm -hmm. and they had these little animated vignettes in between them um okay. it, it was cute i think um i can't remember if like fans could vote online who they thought was more cowardly and they actually did vote for courage nice yeah that, that tracks from what i saw in the show i watched this while we were at wasabi con uh i didn't make my daughter watch this one um, she had to watch My Little Pony because I'm sexist like that. But, For the uh, <laughs> record, I know you have HBO Max. I mm -hmm. genuinely think the kid, your kids, would like Courage the Cowardly Dog. It's it's surreal. Mm -hmm. It's dark. It's got some of the best wild takes in I, the history of mankind. That's what I was getting to. Um, my son really liked it. Like both of us, neither one of us having any kind of association with Courage, and him having a minimal association with Scooby. Um, we just kind of watched it table a row. It was like, okay, well, we'll just see what this is. I have to talk about it anyway. So let's, let's see what it's all about. And we had a good laugh at it. Like I said, Eustace was my favorite character in this thing. I laughed almost at everything he did. Mm -hmm. Um, and so did my, uh, my 70 year old and a seven year old body. So, all right, no fooling this time during the unmasking of a bank robbing clown. Like you do Scooby hears a strange noise and is driven to dance and then run away. Meanwhile, courage appears to be having the same problem. Though Muriel and Eustace bag don't seem to notice, as you pointed out. Yeah, I, nine times out of ten, Courage tries to warn his owners about something going on. Eustace grumbles, stupid dog, and <laughs> Muriel just assumes he's hungry. I feel like there's another character that has kind of the same gimmick where it's he doesn't have the power of speech. And so he's always pantomiming things and nobody understands what he's talking about. And there's a lot of face palming. More or less. Courage actually did talk a lot more in the earlier seasons, some of the mm -hmm. earlier episodes. And 
the feedback was that people didn't really like that. Mm-hmm. There's like I think two episodes where he does actually talk the whole time, but afterwards it was no, we we got into that with maybe a few actual like human words thrown in. I know who I'm thinking about now. I don't know if you've ever heard of the character though. It's very um very esoteric, very uh it's Pluto from Disney. That's who I was thinking of. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of that character or not. Wow, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> Lord knows I never watch Disney cartoons. The other one is Uncle, not Uncle Traveling Matt, the other one is the dog from Fraggle Rock. There was a lot of whining and going, and like, do you want to be fed? Hashtag Doozers Lives Matter. Is that a thing? It's a thing I started, tried to get started after an SNL sketch where they made fun of the, uh, Sean Spicer mentioning the one massacre that never happened. And then in the SNL sketch, they said the massacre at Fraggle Rock. Moving on. Yeah. The gang rushes after Scooby only to find that they have ended up in nowhere, where a group of hostile cicadas are attacking Courage and Scooby. After killing the cicadas, they are called inside the bag household and properly meet Muriel and Eustace and Courage. Both Both the Scooby gang and bag family are invited to dinner with the mayor of nowhere, uh, which Meryl and Eustace weren't aware existed. I didn't vote for you. But on the way there, Scooby, Shaggy, and Courage are attacked by a giant cicada queen, resulting in the destruction of Eustace's truck. Arriving at the mayor's mansion, the mayor offers to give them a tour of an attached museum detailing nowhere, nowhere's bizarre history. Or Otherwise Scooby- known as Easter eggs galore. So you notice the mayor's mansion is covered in paintings. Every yes. painting and everything in the museum it's an Easter egg. It was. Mm. It's either a character that has previously shown up. It's a prop that was previously shown up on Courage, or it is literally a still from the show. The paintings are all stills of various characters, both good and bad, who have appeared on Courage, the Cowardly Dog. Okay. So yeah, I was watching this, going, okay. So there's the uh, creature from the Black L- Puddles necklace, and there is the mattress possessed by the demon, and there's the giant sand whale that once is accordion back. This is all shit from the show. I am not making this up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can see where I now I, I I without even having to ask I can see why you were like we got to talk about this when it comes out, which it did in September. So I'm, I get it now. Um, because I because I really was I was like when she like we don't really do a lot of straight to video stuff like why does she want to talk about this and there's only been nine zillion straight to video Scooby Doo movies I think another one got released in the time this came out and us talking about it like there's something else that came out exactly I was doing an Amazon Prime search because for some mm-hmm. reason. I had a little trouble finding straight out of nowhere on Amazon. And I don't know why. Maybe because I actually Googled Scooby-Doo Courage instead of straight Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. Maybe I screwed with the algorithm. I don't know. But I'm going through all of this. And there's like Scoob and the Stone. And (laughs) Scooby-Doo meets John Cena. And all this. And I'm just like, sweet Jesus. How many of these movies (laughs) are there? A lot. I stopped watching after Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase. I, I think Scooby's in a race with Barbie to see how much pop, straight-to-video dreck they can put out in a single month. It is quite interesting when you actually look at the Scooby-Doo history of how many incarnations of the show they have come out with, how mm-hmm. many movies there have been, how many, you know, just not even recent ones. You look back right. at the older ones when they still shudder had Scrappy-Doo with the gang. And- Scrappy-Doo, a magnum. <laughs> 
Eddie Izzard will always have a place on this network. <laughs> so, like I said, it's just quite fascinating how much this show has lasted the time. Mm-hmm. time, And it's just, there has always been a new Scooby-Doo every single time. It's always like, so have you seen the most recent Scooby-Doo? Five minutes later, have you seen the most recent <laughs> Scooby-Doo? Like somebody standing at the edge of a... Um of a machine and just a tape hits you in the face. You're like, oh, what's Scooby-Doo? And the, oh, another one. Ah! <laughs> Pretty um, much. All right. So, blah, 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 blah. However. Not to, me- say, not to mention, I will also say this. As much as we uh, hate on the first live act, well, on all the live action Scooby-Doo movies, they did give us Matthew Lillard as Shaggy. Honestly, it's his, other than Scream, it's probably his best work. He uh, he is Shaggy. He, I am so glad he continues to. He did the role in this one, and I'm so glad he is perfect. He nails the role so well. Arriving at the mayor's mansion, the mayor offers to give them a tour of the attached museum, detailing Nora's bizarre history, as we just talked about. However, Scooby, Shaggy, and Courage look for something to eat, like they are wont to do, and Eustace heads back to Bag Residence to rid himself of the nuisance. My man. I do love that. He opens the cabinet, finds the creepy butler, and May just shuts the door and is like, on second thought, I'm leaving. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that scene from uh, the new Candyman movie when the woman opens the door and sees the steps lean down into this very dark cell and she goes, nope, nope shuts the door, <laughs> walks away. <laughs> An attack by the cicada queen and her brood knocks Fred, Daphne, Velma, and Muriel into a hidden cave where they discover a strange machine randomly sending out cell phone calls. But, uh, Scooby, Shaggy, Courage, destroy it while escaping the cicada queen attempting to return to the bag residence to unravel the mystery the group is once again attacked by the cicada queen which kidnaps most of them leaving only scourge and scooby and courage behind scourge there you go yeah i'm like mashing them together um in a new lord of the rings type villain plugging velma's personal tablet which she had been using to document everything she had collected on the mystery into courage's computer they discover that the cicada's unnatural size and every other bizarre occurrence and courage that courage has had to deal with was the result of a dark matter meteor because it's now it's always dark matter that was also responsible for wiping out the dinosaurs buried under the spot where the bag uh house is courage and scoob retrieve the meteor and rescue their friends but their attempt to escape it thwarted by the cicada queen who uh takes the meteor and holds muriel hostage forcing courage to face his fears and confront it after the long battle the cicada queen is trapped under scraps from the bag windmill the general and his translation they decided to have a lot of fun with the surrealism in this i'm not gonna lie this is actually an interesting concept because they established that this dark matter meteor affects the laws of physics and it's the reason why so much strange shit happens in nowhere that was never a part of the show it was just Mm -hmm. middle of nowhere crazy shit gonna happen right but i kind of like this idea that there was actually a force mm-hmm. and there's a reason why all of this stuff happens here and why it always happens at their farm because the meteor is underneath the farm i, I was like that's actually kind of creative um this general and his subordinate soon arrived to apprehend the cicada queen which was revealed to be a mech piloted by courage's arch enemies the villainous feline mastermind cats and French conduct the quack. Two reoccurring villains from the show. Cats was straight up terrifying in his first appearance. He attempts mm-hmm. to feed the Bag family and Courage to uh, giant spiders. Wow. It's, it's dark. Th- there's kind of a thing in some of the earlier Courage the Cowardly Dog episodes where you can ju- you watch them and you can hear 
the uh, network executives in the back going, oh, my God, what is wrong with you? Tone this shit down. <laughs> who is this supposed to be for? Um, Teenagers who are getting high. Uh, clearly. After discovering the meteor's existence, Katz and Hwa took over Nowhere's political facilities and used the resources to dig up the meteor and use it to hypnotize and rob several well-off locals stashing at the bag residence. Eustace had discovered this earlier, but wrote it off as a windfall on his behalf. And we had to put up with a rap number from Eustace, too. You know, my, you, you would think like, oh, they, we got to put a rap number in here. That'll appeal to the children. I don't know about anybody else's kid, but mine was like, what the hell, man? <laughs> like, I was what? like, what the hell, man? What, what is, why, why is this necessary? Yeah, uh, this, I mean, Eustace is greedy. He's always been insanely greedy on the show. Okay. You know, in fact, there's a lot of episodes where the, you know, problems that befall the back families because Eustace won't let go of something, mm. you know, but yes, thank you, Cleo. So, but it's just like the wrapping things like that was never in his character. When they learned the Scooby gang was in the area, they used the media to brainwash the local cicada population and scare them off in an attempt to up their game. The general attempts to secure the meteor to be used by the obtuse ostensibly uh, as a weapon, but as Courage suggestion, it's turned into a disco ball so the group can celebrate. All right. So that's uh, straight out of nowhere. Scooby-Doo meets Courage the Cowardly Dog. My my real quick thoughts on this, because I don't have a lot of, you know, th this, this does not lend itself to deep film criticism, as it were. Um, I enjoyed it. My, you know, my son and I, like I said, without... Without kind of knowledge, this seems to have been made for Courage fans more than Scooby fans. Like, even though Scooby is the, the top of the letterhead here, the uh, the marquee, this felt like it was made for for Courage fans, and Scooby was sort of incidental to the to the action, which was fine. I don't, I didn't need it to be focused more on Scooby, but it kind of left me and my son, who aren't familiar with the Courage characters, feeling like what is this i don't i don't understand what we're watching here and then you know and then the rest of it is obviously they don't have a giant a real giant cicada problem you know who is at the heart of this thing and they do the scooby-doo thing of pulling the mask off and that all tracks with what we love and what we want to see in a scooby-doo mystery it was okay um you know i can this was definitely a straight to video kind of thing, but it seemed like it was made. It was kind of almost like a passion project for Courage fans. It was. And it's also interesting that they did this without any uh, input from the uh, original creator, uh, John Dilworth. It, mm. It's a little bizarre about that because this film is a love letter to Courage fans. Again, from all the Easter eggs and everything. Um if you're a fan of Courage the Cowardly Dog, you're going to love this. It does have some really good bits with Scooby's characters. I love the I love Fred and Velma and Daphne trying to pull Katz's face off because they're just convinced it's a mask <laughs> and they just won't let it go. Does Velma put her glasses in this one? I feel like she does, which is always a running Scooby gag. Uh, she does at the end, but she never says, I lost my glasses because she mm -hmm. loses her glasses when she's tied up by the cicadas in the webbing. Right, okay. So all I can say is that, yeah, if you're a fan of Courage, you're going to love this. Um, and again, it's streaming on HBO Max. If you haven't seen Courage the Cowardly Dog, I highly recommend checking it out. It was a really great staple of Cartoon Network's run in the uh, early 2000s. It's often regarded as one of their best shows. It was very creative. It was incredibly surreal. 
you love dark humor, smaller elements of horror, you're going to really enjoy it. And seriously, Mark, I do really think your kids would like it. I highly recommend uh, you start showing it to them. Early 2000s, that puts you in high school or college? I graduated in class of 2002. Okay, so when you were watching this, it was your last couple of years of high school. Mm -hmm. Still remember watching a rerun uh, when I was uh, finding out that I was failing my astronomy class. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fun association. Um, real quick, just uh, um, before I do the Grammarly plug, uh, I think the animation was pretty okay with this. Nothing, nothing to get excited about, but wasn't you know utterly inept either. It is a little weird how different the styles are between mm -hmm. Scooby and the Gang and Courage, and this whole and the everything else is done in Courage's style, with the exception of the opening scene with the bank robber and the clown. Everything is done in Courage style. All the other people are drawn as Courage style. They got usually fairly big bodies and very mm -hmm. skinny legs. That is a signature style of John Dilworth's uh, work. And I, I, I get, I, I kind of do like that. It very much feels like Scooby has just entered into Courage's world. You know, yeah. I, they, they didn't try to blend it too much. They just kept Scooby and the gang in their classic style. And I think that's the smart move. I feel that if they had tried to do other things with that uh, Hanna-Barbera style, it would have backfired because those Hanna-Barbera style and Dilworth style do not mesh. Yeah, agreed. Um, so just want to pay a little bills here. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes, while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To so download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. It's funny, I was talking to Gavin last night when we were reviewing Ted Lasso, currently in the archive. And um, I said one of the most annoying things that are part of modern filmmaking today, just because of the time that we live in, is watching people play with their phones and tablets or putting what's on the phone or tablet on the screen. Because I'd also just finished watching you, and that was a big part of it is, you know, as he's stalking this woman, everything that he does is on the screen so that you can see it. And I find it to be distracting and annoying, and I hate it. And I wish we would, and I, and I just sort of blurted out, I wish we would go back to ink quills and parchment. You know, because at least that that has an aesthetic quality that I enjoy. And then I somehow linked that to Grammarly. And I'm still struggling with how Grammarly would help you write better on with inkwell and parchment. Don't answer that. This is my own quandary to sort of wrestle with much like an alligator. I'm and kind of imagining a spirit <laughs> popping up similar to the Microsoft paperclip. <laughs> and every time you made a spell, it would just pop up. And it's like, no, let me show you how it should be done to the point that you actually start burning the parchment just because you've said, <laughs> screw this. I can't take it anymore. That works. Um, so... Now that uh, we have Disney Plus, we're getting a lot more Muppet content. Um, they did which is good. More Muppets are better. They did cancel Muppets now, which uh, Alexis and I reviewed in the archives. Um, but you know, plug, plug. Are, But I think, and we talked about this with Muppets. Now, I'm not entirely sure Muppets as a show, as a as a weekly show, works anymore. Um, Chris Bailey and I were kind of having this conversation about like Dune and Tolkien and Asimov. Um, you know, just books written, science fiction books written in the 60s that may have been written for a, a child's audience, an audience of children, but children were different in, you know, the 1960s than they are now. And they were certainly different 100 years before that. And I don't know if Muppets as a weekly thing still has a place in the culture, but as these one hour specials that we're going to talk about here with Muppets Haunted Mansion, this really works. Like, 
I like I, I think I like the Muppets. You know, for the for the longest time we had a string of just Muppet movies. Um, after Muppets Take Manhattan, in no particular order, there was Muppets Christmas Carol, there was Muppets Wizard of Oz, there was Muppets Treasure, Treasure Island. Island, Muppets in Space. Right. And so and I think it's sort of an isolated thing where you where you sort of take the kind of like a Mel Brooks movie, take a genre or a particular topic, take the piss out of it by adding Muppets. Which uh, in our chat, by the way, we actually did that one day, but it was like John Wick movies and shit. There is a there is a popular meme mm -hmm. that I see pop up on Facebook from time to time where it says, "Take a movie slash movie franchise, mm. replace all the actors except for one one with Muppets. Right. One movie, what actor?" And so far, my favorite one is uh, Evil Dead Two, but keep Bruce Campbell. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah speaking of which it is can you believe this was the muppets very first halloween special yeah that is really really shocking yeah but, they they, um, they have some for lack of a better term great mm -hmm. monster muppets sure. they've um, had them for ages i mean they you know they brought them in for previous incarnations we've had vincent price alice cooper and such mm -hmm. on the classic muppet show they created all of these really good horror muppets for these characters and it's like and then you watch it go really you've never done this before yeah that is really peculiar um i'm just what is your opinion on the idea of maybe the muppets are because the muppets muppets as a show or as a movie just on their own in their own little muppet world don't seem to be working they don't seem to be finding much much outside of a core audience and they don't resonate with the general public so so something like muppets haunted mansion they're much more suited for what do you think Yes and no, I agree with you, but at the same time, we have to be careful, otherwise we're going to start falling into the same track that we just discussed Scooby-Doo has. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, we're going to get the Muppets meet John Cena. <laughs> I hope. Um, all right. Actually, counts for as John Cena hasn't cameoed in a Muppet production yet. <laughs> no, you actually think, it's like, you know the kind of stuff John Cena does and how great mm -hmm. he is with his fans, like, wow, actually john cena would jump at the chance to appear in a muppets movie he i mean look him and the rock both you know both figured out that the way to win america's hearts was through their children and it worked mm -hmm. um some to, to a lesser extent dave batista as well so muppets haunted mansion is exactly what the title says it is it's a one hour ish special on disney plus where they mash up the haunted mansion ride uh, that is a Disney um, Main Street USA attraction with Muppets. And my personal favorite ride at Disney World. At my wife's too. As a matter of fact, you can't see it in my mess of a house. But that away is uh, last year's Christmas presents that I got for my wife. I got her a whole bunch of uh, Haunted Mansion Funko Pops. Nice. Yeah, I got her the Target exclusive Chrome blue chrome um hitchhiking ghosts and then i got her the actual mansion with the butler i also got her the redhead from pirates of the caribbean because my wife drunk or not usually nearly falls out of the boat yelling we want the redhead whenever we're on pirates of the caribbean i love my wife anyway um back to the show at hand so the whole premise of this thing is gonzo and pepe which i need to talk to you about that's why I'm starting off this way. Gonzo and Pepe are invited to the Haunted Mansion. And like every other horror movie you've ever seen with a haunted house, they have to spend the night. If they spend the night, you know, they will they will be uh, rewarded. If they can't make it, on uh, some unspeakable doom. And 
I think the thing that caught me off guard with this, but ends up working really, really well in its favor, is why they didn't go with the obvious choice of Kermit. Um, you know, Kermit and Fozzie, or Kermit and Miss Piggy, or Kermit, Fozzie, and Piggy. And they went with Gonzo, who's always been not an ancillary character, he's a core Muppet, but you know, everyone sort of plays second fiddle to Kermit. And they and they instead basically did a move, did a Gonzo movie, which struck me as odd. But I'm gonna just go ahead and tell you how I feel about this thing. It's amazing. I we all love this, and Gonzo was actually perfect for it. If you actually notice in previous Muppet movies and such, Kermit is not the headliner. Mm-hmm. He is the straight man holding everything together, but he has not been the main focus of uh, the Muppet uh, incarnations for quite some time, actually. Uh, hell, look at um, Muppets in Space and Muppet Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. Look at uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. I would, except that of the three of those, I've only seen Muppets Christmas Carol. But still, you get what I'm saying. Oh, I'm with you all the way. I just, I, I wouldn't have known that because I've never seen those before. Yeah, no, Kermit's an amazing character, but mm-hmm. he's the straight man. Okay. You know, he is. Hang on, let me, let me tell you why. Because like in the, in the, um, the Muppet movie, he's the lead, right? The Great mm-hmm. Muppet Caper, he's the lead. Muppets Take Manhattan is really about like him and Piggy. Yeah. And that's the and that's the and other than last year at Christmas time when everyone was every one of you guys in, in associated with the network was like you've never seen Muppet Christmas Carol acting like you've never seen Gone with the Wind you know <laughs> like it's like this amazing movie that I've never watched I'm like okay I've never watched it so I Michael did. Michael Caine is still one of the best. Uh, it's the movie revolves in around my him. Opinion. Yeah, and it, the movie revolves around him and, and Kermit's relegated to Bob Cratchit. But like I said, my 45-year-old self only saw Kermit as the lead in these things. So I think your point is well-founded, but it, it's well-founded if you've actually seen those movies, which I haven't. Fair enough. But okay, so in Muppets Treasure Island, uh, Kermit is the captain of the ship. Uh, okay. who's, it has been ages since I've read treasure island so i cannot remember all the characters names except for long john silver of course and in that one he is gloriously played by tim curry oh my god i love that man i mean who does it right mm-hmm. and yeah and muppets in space if folks is on gonzo oh does it really okay the, the joke is that gonzo has always been wondering what he is because <laughs> we don't know what he is you know he was never created to look like anything and the idea is that gonzo finds out he's literally an alien oh really no i had no idea because again my uh my association with gonzo is from the great muppet caper where you know they're they're flying i think it's like 10th class or something so they're they're in crates in the in the storage area Mm -hmm. of the plane and um you know so they're having a conversation in those crates and they're all marked so kermit's is marked frog Fozzie's is obviously marked bear and Gonzo's is marked whatever. Fast forward to about a week, a week ago. And my son, as we're watching this, he's like, this is all fine and dandy and I'm enjoying it. But what the hell is Gonzo? And I and my answer was he's a whatever. No, he is a whatever. (laughs) All right. So Muppets Haunted Mansion. Here we go. Instead of attending the Muppets annual party, Gonzo and Pepe are on their way to a fear challenge event in the same Haunted Mansion where Gonzo's favorite magician, the great MacGuffin. Disappeared. That, was, that was so funny. <laughs> Disappeared 100 years ago. Upon being dropped off by their hearse driver, Yvette Nicole Brown of community fame, 
Gonzo and Pepe. By the way, since she's lost weight, I barely ever recognize her. She's been in a bunch of things since, since she's gotten skinnier, and mm-hmm. I never recognize her without her size from the first first one or two seasons of Community. I hate to admit it, but since the in the trailers, the only shots they have of her of her turning around slightly, mm-hmm. and she's wearing the hat and the heavy right. coat, I actually thought she, it was. Um, uh taraji p henson in a dual role and i'm sorry okay. the, the two actresses do look a lot alike fair they enough really do so yeah i didn't realize it was it was her i feel kind of bad for that but gonzo- in all fairness it's a quick shot of her in the trailer she doesn't have any lines yeah um gonzo and pepe meet the caretaker darren chris along with several ghosts and singing busts this is the part where we go here's all the cameos yeah I, I remember trying to explain to my husband the first time I watched, I think it was either the new Muppets movie that came out or mm-hmm. the uh, Muppets Most Wanted. Okay. Because he noticed all the cameos and he's like, where are all these actors coming from? I'm like, you don't get it, hun. Being asked to do a cameo, not not a role, a cameo in a Muppets production is one of the greatest honors mm-hmm. you can get in Hollywood. It also has. It also is one of my most beloved lines in any Muppet movie. What are you doing here? A, a very brief, brief cameo. cameo. <laughs> so good. I uh, that is a line often repeated by me and my friends. It's anyone ever says, "What are you doing here?" The answer is always a very brief cameo. Should also point out this was the final appearance of Ed Asner. Yes. Uh, who made an appearance as one of the ghosts? I was saying we'll we, we were we were talking about that with Doug. I thought like I because my wife asked me he's like is that Ed Asner and I'm like yeah now I don't know which one was his actual last gig before passing. It I don't know it, it depends on which was recorded first. I mean I mean obviously yeah. voice work for a CGI film is going to take a while. The CGI is going to take a while, so that would have been recorded. But something like this with all the special effects, I I don't know what yeah who when knows they when they shot this. this. Yeah, but, I genuinely don't know. It could have could have been simultaneous for all we knew. Hey, we need you down the hall. <laughs> I'm a hundred. Leave me alone. Um, Gonzo and Peppy meet their caretaker Darren Chris, along with several ghosts and singing busts. The ghost host, Will Arnett, uh, doing his best Batman voice, tell Gonzo that he has been summoned to the mansion to see if he can survive one night. If he cannot, he and Peppy will be trapped there forever like you do. While Gonzo claims that he fears nothing, Pepe is easily scared by everything he sees in the mansion. Including, Pepe... I will admit, a very well-placed jump scare with John Stamos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, this I wouldn't call this scary. No. But there are some genuinely creepy moments. It's like, whoa. Yeah, so there's, okay. uh, there is definitely some unsettling imagery in this that I thought was, which was good. Because I watched it with a 7 and a 10-year-old and a, you know, and a 38-year-old who's a huge fan of the Haunted Mansion ride, which I will talk about when we're done with the mm-hmm. spot synopsis, I got I got to talk about the ride, but because um, if you don't understand, kind of like what we we're talking about with courage, if you don't know the source material that they're adapting to this particular story, a lot of this gets lost on you. Um, Absolutely. So, moving forward, um, after meeting Madame Pagoda, Miss Piggy, playing the bride, Gonzo, no, not the bride, something else. That that she's the, Madame Leota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonzo and Pepe come across a full room of several ghosts resembling their Muppet friends. The host soon appears and informs Gonzo that in order to survive the mansion, he must face his fears in room 999. Because we can't do 666. This is a children's show. I'd like (laughs) to add, it was very smart of the creators to actually have a scene at the beginning where we established that uh, Kermit, Piggy, Fozzie, and all of the other characters are at this party. So you Mm -hmm. don't have a million kids watching going, why is Kermit? 
did. <laughs> so very clever to work that in. Yep. As Gonzo is led to the room, Pepe meets and becomes entranced by the ghost of Constance Hatchaway to Jerry P. Henson, who plans to marry and then kill him like she does as he meets the ghost of her past husband, which is freaking hilarious. Gonzo is trapped in room 999 with the room's number sign turning upside down to read 666 and faces his biggest fear that no one will like him if he does not do dangerous stunts. Gonzo starts to turn old as his reflection taunts him. Which was genuinely scary. I'm sorry, the, the image of him with the sucked out nose and the skeleton hands was like, mm-hmm. whoa, okay. Yeah. I I think I just saw where some therapy bills are going to come from. My wife started, like, nudging me and kind of chortling that, like, oh, look, his nose shrunk. You know? <laughs> we, uh, we both got a kick out of that. Recalling conversation with Kermit he had had earlier, Gonzo realizes that he can be great by just being Gonzo, and the room de-ages and releases him. The host congratulates Gonzo for facing his fears and tells him that he is free to go so long as he makes it outside by sunrise. After realizing that Pepe is in trouble, Gonzo refuses to leave him without him. With the help of the host, Candelabra, Gonzo is able to find Pepe and stop the wedding. The pair jump out the window, Michael Bay style, and make it out of the mansion just as the sun rises. The host meet them at the gate, revealing himself to be the great MacGuffin, who is impressed that Gonzo was willing to do what he could not face his fears. The hearse driver picks them up and Kermit calls asking to meet them, the pair, for breakfast. Kermit comments that Gonzo and Pepe should bring their friends along. Gonzo and Pepe turn to see the hitchhiking ghosts behind them, prompting them to scream. So, yeah, if you don't get, if, you, if you've never been on the ride before and you don't know how the ride operates or what are the different sections of the ride, a lot of this just seems like random or arbitrary or whatever. But it really is... Gonzo is almost on the ride with you and you're going through each thing almost like set by set because when you walk into the ride you know that you were just there but for those who haven't seen it when you walk into the ride you're walking past a gravestone and a, a grave area and the tombstones all have funny things on them you know here lies Fred he got bumped on the head and now he's dead you know little, little mm-hmm. limerick shit like that a lot of lots that's a lot of wordplay here yeah um, a lot of puns and then you get inside and you're corralled into this area, this like lobby area. With um, the stretching portraits. Right. And then and that line in the line in the show about is this room getting longer? You know, you know, and the paint the paintings, as you said, elongate. And what you see is very innocuous paintings turn out to be everyone's in some sort of dread peril. Mm-hmm. There's a guy there's a guy like on a high wire standing over an alligator. An alligator. Uh, I can't remember. Woman who you thought was sitting on a stool. It turns out she's sitting on her husband's gravestone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, there's like there's a couple like that. Um the the bride is a character in there. The the um the uh the hatbox ghost. Yeah, the fortune teller, you know, that's all these are all sections of it. The dancing ghost, that's a big thing. That's a big part of the ride, actually, where you come in, there's this long stretch of track where you're going through this very rectangular room and there's just dancing ghosts everywhere. It's really clever. They use a uh light projector to project Mm -hmm. onto the glass so you it looks to you, you can see through them as these uh ghostly figures are it looks mm-hmm. like they're dancing on the floor side note this was also a really great homage to what was it called the uh, at the dance sketches from the early days of the muppet show back in the mm-hmm. 70s oh my god I, was, I i grew up watching the muppet show all the time on nickelodeon so mm-hmm. i recognize i'm like oh my god that's brilliant loved uh the dueling ghosts suddenly mm-hmm. it's like when they shout draw they actually pull out a sketch fat and pencils <laughs> that was good 
as the ride comes to a conclusion, there, there's a long, there's another long stretch where you're just seeing shit popping out of graves and stuff like that. And it's Disney. There's only so, so, so scary you can get, but. They, and they, we're getting on the grim uh, grinning. Go- okay. I'm just going to say this. Mm-hmm. We couldn't get the electric mayhem playing grim grinning ghosts. <laughs> I wanted that so badly. It would have been fun. Um, the ride ends with you pass a mirror and the uh, and the narrator who's been with you almost all the time says, beware of hitchhiking ghosts. And there's a projection of a ghost in your cart. You're like, ah! <laughs> you, know, you Usually they're like taking their top out like, hello, you know, stuff like that. And so, that's where you get the pictures uh, from your time in the ride if you're willing yeah. to pay like 90 bucks for them. The ride often breaks down. I wanted, I wanted to mention this. If you've ever, if you've been to Disney World enough, maybe um, if you've only been once or twice, maybe this didn't happen to you. But if you go enough times, you will be on that ride when it breaks down. It breaks down constantly. Yep. yep. Um, I just went to Disney World in August. Broke down twice. Once while I was waiting in line, <laughs> and because I was because someone apparently jumped out of the buggy. Oh God. Yeah. Oh my God. Apparently that happens all the time on this ride. You get a ton of dumbasses who try to climb out of the buggies. Mm-hmm. and another time i this actually pissed me off because it stopped right as i was coming to the hitchhiking ghosts mm-hmm. but it stopped right in that little corridor before you turn the corner so you can't take pictures on the ride um because you're moving too quickly to mm-hmm. you know have natural light and they specifically say no flash photography because that's right. going to interfere with uh the light projectors that they use for all of the holograms as it were mm-hmm. so we're stuck and they say sorry give us a minute it, or it's like we will resume the ride it, they actually do keep in character when they tell you this but i'm stuck in an area where i can't see any of the ghosts i'm just like my one opportunity to take a picture because i'm mm-hmm. holding still now and i can hold my phone still enough i can get a picture and none of the ghosts were inside i'm like you couldn't have stopped like Five seconds back or five seconds forward. I wouldn't have been happy with either. One of the times that we went on, I think it was just me and Lily uh, and my do- and my wife and my son might have been in the other cart or she was alone in the other cart. Who knows what, <laughs> when or what iteration of carts and people there were. But I know that I was with Lily and we stopped and I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there like an MC Escher like part of the ride where it's just like staircases in different directions and stuff? I think I? so. Yeah. Might and be. I feel like that's where we stopped and it was like, and my daughter's just kind of looking around going, and she's really young, and that's what I'm thinking. She might have been like four or five at the time, and she's kind of looking around, going, "Well, this is a crap place to stop. There's <laughs> nothing fun here." <laughs> I get it, man. Anyway, that joke is in the show. the The joke about the, the ride constantly breaking down. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and and the Muppets breaking the fourth wall is, is Muppets tradition. Yeah, it's nothing new. Yeah, so I uh, I enjoyed that. So. Two things I want to talk about with this, and then um, I'll let you have the last word and we'll move on. My wife is a huge fan of this ride. And when other, the whole thing about me podcasting is I like to talk to people who enjoy, really enjoy or are passionate about stuff and want to talk about it. And so it's not always about what I like. It's about hearing what other people like and or hate and just having some sort of a passion about things, you know, good or bad. And I enjoyed watching my wife and kids react to this. Because my kids were reacting to it, you know, it's just sort of like this is a fun thing that we're that that we like, and you know, these are interesting and fun characters, and it's colorful, and we're having a good time with this. My wife, who's a fan of the ride, is like you with courage, the cowardly dog, like that's their Easter egg. That's the thing from the ride, and she's like nudging me the whole time, and she's like 
super fanning out the whole, you know, like the, like the Muppets are sort of incidental to the whole thing. And you know, she, she's there for this trip through this ride. And, you know, how many references can we make? Um, and I was like, okay, I get it, man. I, I enjoyed watching. I enjoyed it as, as an experience of watching other people watch this. The other thing I want to talk about, I loved that they took care to actually create something that you could resonate with as a person with Gonzo. The mm -hmm. idea that nobody will love me unless I'm putting myself in danger. And that that is my only usefulness to the world is as a stunt person. Mick Foley has talked about that. Like, you know, I, the only way people are going to accept me is if I throw myself headfirst off a, you know, you know, off the hell on the cell, you know, into an ordinary drinking glass. Observe, um, you know, it's like these is all these people like I, I can't I can't I want to be loved by throngs and throngs of people. No one will unless I hurt myself. And the idea of no, we love you as a person, Gonzo, and none of that was necessary. And I and it made me think about past iterations of the Muppets, where Gonzo has given Kermit a lot of anxiety because he's like, no, Gonzo, please don't launch yourself out of a cannon. He's like, but I'm off <laughs> or whatever. And always, Gonzo always seems like a crazy lunatic, not somebody compelled to do these things for, you know, for love and attention. Meanwhile, Kermit has always demonstrated that. He is connected to Gonzo as a friend and ha and doesn't want him to hurt himself. And I thought that was an interesting, like clearly the writers had some understanding of Muppet lore, such as it is, to have gone there and come up with this and made it the central piece of this otherwise childish haunted mansion story. Definitely. That has always been Gonzo's character. My personal mm -hmm. favorite from the original Muppet show is when he decides to riding a motorcycle off the stage and into the box where Waldorf and Statler are sitting. By the way, my son was like, if they're not in this, I'm rioting. And I was like, they'll be here, I promise. He loved A lot Waldorf of people thought they were going to be the bus. Okay. By the way, how weird was that with the singing bus singing freaking Pat Sajak <laughs> as one of the bus? I mean, again, it's like, I know that getting asked to do Mm -hmm. Academy on the Muppets is a great honor, but th that was the one I recognized. Okay. You know, um, Justina uh, Mikado and Craig Robinson were also part of the singing bus, but I didn't recognize them at first. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I recognized Pat Sajak and Media. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> so, but no, this was a lot of fun. Really liked the music. Again, why couldn't we get them Electric Mayhem playing Grim Grinning Ghost? I was looking forward to that. Fun little uh, Easter egg, by the way. Uh, one of the human actors who comes out, uh, not actors, but one of the people who comes out, uh, this woman named Kim, mm -hmm. who cleans uh, Madame P uh, Pagoda's uh, crystal ball. You know, she goes, Kimmy, Kimmy. And she comes out and she groans and Windexes the ball. Mm -hmm. um, uh, she is an Imagineer at Disney oh, okay. World. But she is also uh, the daughter of Leota Toombs Thomas, the original face of Madame Leota. What did you think of the subplot, um, which I also thought was br pretty brilliantly written, between Pepe and the bride? I did enjoy that. I was a little unsure at first because this is the first four-way we've had with Pepe and Gonzo. Uh, you've probably noticed in the past that Rizzo the Rat has always been Gonzo's sidekick. Yeah, that got brought up by the critically acclaimed guys that aren't 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 the comedy pair. You know, the Abbott and Costello of of the Muppets, Gonzo and Rizzo, and they just they threw Rizzo out and replaced him with Pepe. Uh, apparently, Rizzo's vo um, 
puppeteer uh let's see here uh steve whitmire uh was fired in oh, 2018 okay. amid controversy i don't have any of the deals or details here whitmire was also the current voice of kermit uh, they replaced Kermit's uh, puppeteer with uh, Matt Vogel, who had also worked on the, who's worked with the Muppets for a long time. But uh, they decided instead of recasting Rizzo, since that was kind of Whitmire's character, you know, he sort of created the character, as it were. Mm-hmm. They decided to retire Rizzo and bring in uh, Pepe, who I first saw, I want to say, in Muppets in Space. I could be wrong, but I think that's when he showed up. Mm-hmm. And he's been very popular. Fans have really liked him. And they decided to elevate him to Gonzo's new sidekick. And I thought it worked. Yeah. I, um, this is only, I think, like a 48-minute piece. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, 49 minutes. Uh, debuted October 8th on Disney Plus exclusively. And, you know, it all moves pretty quickly. Gonzo, I, I, I think if I had one negative criticism, I, I feel like... Gonzo's sort of in, internal exploration of his psyche and dealing with his fears and all of that. Might, they might have spent a little bit more time on that. I wish, I wish there had been a little bit more conflict with with Gonzo and and his fears, and a little less of Pepe and the Bride. I feel like we, I feel like it was a little too much Pepe and the Bride and not enough Gonzo in, in those two sequences. But that's a that's a personal thing. If it works for everybody else, that's fine. I don't think it totally undoes the. Um, undoes the movie at all it's just i was much more interested in what was happening with gonzo i'll give you that really did enjoy this um fans of uh classic muppets are gonna love this fans of the haunted mansion are gonna love this and yeah seriously disney plus more muppet halloween specials i seriously like i said i cannot believe they this has never happened before but it, they lend themselves so well to the formula. I genuinely think we need to see more of these. So I'm looking at the uh, Muppets Haunted Mansion soundtrack available on Amazon Music. More on that in a moment. And uh, there's Rest in Peace by Darren Chris, Life Hereafter featuring Will Arnett and the Muppets. <laughs> My daughter's reaction to this, who is a musical theater person and loves musicals. And, you know, I'm taking her to go see West Side Story, which we'll be reviewing in December and all of that. Um was like, oh, it's a musical. And suddenly she became very interested in what was happening. Like, we, we not, no, none of us realized this was going to be a, a musical of sorts. And she got very excited when they started singing. Um, so you have Tie the Not Tango by Tajiri P. Henson and Pepe the King Prawn. And then Dancing in Moonlight by the aforementioned Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem Band. And if you are interested in checking that out, but, you know, don't want to waste any money on it, Click the link that we have here in the description of this podcast. We are giving away a free trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Uh, you click the link, you fill out the information, you agree but to the um, to the free month. You can download all the Muppet music you want, all the Haunted Mansion music you want. Hey, look, it's Halloween weekend. You're going to have trick-or-treaters more than likely. You want to play spooky music. You don't want to pay for it. Amazon music is the way to go. And we're giving an opportunity for you for this weekend to use uh, a free 30-day trial. And then when that 30 days is over, you don't like it, you cancel it. No fuss, no muss, no contracts, no pains in the butt. You love it you, like I do. We use it all the time in the Metal Hammer of Doom, especially when I squirrel and I need to play the Metal, Metal Hammer of Doom ADHD medley of anything unrelated to what we're actually talking about. I use Amazon Music all the time. It gives you a nice 30-second uh, sample of the music. And then if you want it, you can, you know, like I said, if you've got the unlimited, you can stream it all you want as many times as you want. All righty. 
With that said, we are up to our third feature of the evening. And be, and before we get into this, I got to ask, I know we've talked about it kind of in passing here and there. How much of the My Little Pony franchise did you watch? Did you play with the toys? Um, what made you want to talk about this Netflix movie? For the record, you asked me if I thought this would be noteworthy, and I said yes. So I okay. this, unlike, okay, Courage meets uh, Scooby-Doo and Muppets Haunted Mansion, I sent you the trailers uh, underneath with Pretty Please with Sugar on Top and Whipped Cream and whatever else you want. Because <laughs> I really, really wanted to talk about it. This one, you came to me. Oh, okay. So, I now, as a kid, yeah, I did play with My Little Pony a little bit. Mm -hmm. The big thing for me, though, is the most recent generation, the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, which I know sounds lame, but this was the uh, version of My Little Pony that had the massive fandom, mm -hmm. uh, the craze, the, the bronies, mm -hmm. as it were. Um, I really got into that. I absolutely loved, loved, loved that show. I still love it. You know, it's available you know, on Netflix and Hulu. I watch it all the time. In defense of the, the bronies thing, you know, it, it, it's sort of a, it, it's kind of like when somebody uses the term like wigger or something like that. It's supposed to be kind of a, a like an, a, like an insulting term of men not asking masculine and, and, and being invested in a girl product. Here's the thing. I've actually watched Friendship is Magic. Outside of the fact that it's, it tends to favor more feminine colors than masculine, it's a perfectly fine fantasy show about magic but mm -hmm. the, 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 the if it if it didn't start off as a girl's toy where the object was to brush hair because that's all you could do with the my little ponies this was just a this was just a fantasy story about talking horses that's it like there's nothing particularly feminine there was nothing particularly feminine about friendship is magic other than maybe most of the characters were were girls and not boys but who cares like I, after having watched it with my kids as they were growing up um, and then watching this movie, I got the feeling like if you, if you just sort of compartmentalize it and, and break it down, it's, it's a fantasy story. There's nothing particularly strongly feminine about it. It's just, it's just a well-written fantasy show for kids. So, yeah, I, uh, I don't necessarily need to hear the term brony for the rest of my life, but I think you're allowed to enjoy this as any, you know, any age, gender, whatever. Absolutely. This series actually got multiple documentaries made about it, looking over how the fandom exploded. Mm -hmm. One one or two, I can't remember how many, but at least one was narrated by John Delancey of, uh, you probably recognize that as the guy who played Q in Star Trek, yep. who was a prominent... Um, played uh, was a prominent reoccurring character on Friendship is Magic. Yeah, he was the dragon thing. Discord, yeah, Discord. the the spirit of uh, chaos. Yeah, I mean, it's actually kind of funny because he he pretty much just is Q. Mm -hmm. You know, ever, ever, there's there was actually a lot of fans who said this was just Q taking a form in the My Little Pony universe, and I died laughing because right around the time that they announced My Little Pony Friendship is Magic was ending, mm -hmm. they announced that Q was going to come back in the new Picard series. Mm -hmm. So I wrote, oh, okay, so Q got tired of harassing the ponies. Now he's going to go back and <laughs> harass Picard. Good to know. Everyone needs a hobby. <laughs> it just lined up too perfectly. Sure. So, yeah, I was a huge fan of that. And as soon as uh, the fourth generation Friendship was Magic ended, Obviously, fans start asking, so when's G5 coming out? 
there was speculation actually i want to say it was between the seventh and the eighth season mm-hmm. um there was a controversy there was a leak a leak at hasbro a couple of episodes they weren't totally finished i think they were missing um some sound effects and music mm-hmm. but they were accidentally leaked along with these uh drawings of the characters in new styles mm-hmm. and people went a little nuts thinking this was going to be uh the new version now it's not the the those versions of the characters do not resemble what we got in there yeah those characters pointing <laughs> the right direction now it's abundantly clear this was just somebody's uh, fan art that they worked on on the side and it was probably just put into the same folder mm. as these video clips so but yeah just since then fans have been speculating on what the fifth uh version of my little pony was gonna get us and I'm just gonna say it, i'm not a huge fan of what we got i okay. i'm sorry i i get a lot of people who are like but because it takes place in the same timeline as the previous version they're like mm-hmm. how can you hate him like i don't hate it i just I'm not a fan. I'm sorry. It just doesn't get me as well as Friendship's Magic did. So, um, yeah, that was big when my my daughter was really young. So we watched it with her and she really liked it. The one that she uh, as she got a little bit older, the one that she really glommed onto was Equestria Girls, which to me is the stuff of nightmares. These are <laughs> these are model-esque, statuesque gals with horse faces. <laughs> what the hell is this i can't stand equestria girls i Mm. really can't when i saw it i not to mention i actually kind of got mad because i thought the animation was lazy as hell Mm -hmm. the fact that all the girls are the same model to the point that they all have um either boots Mm -hmm. high tops or leg warmers so their legs are all in the exact same size you know, shape. It was just, I was like, what the hell, guys? I know you're trying to sell more toys here, but okay. wow. That's the thing. Like, you know, I, I was thinking about this with, um, I just watched Paranormal Activity Next of Kin, which we'll be reviewing on Tuesday. And I was like, the similarities between like found footage movies, pro wrestling, and cartoons meant to sell toys all have the same central issue. You must fool people into thinking what you're doing is at least some degree believable and not completely reveal the uh the, the trick behind the curtain in other words like with you know the found footage thing you ha- there has you, you have to go just enough to get people to suspend their disbelief if you shatter the illusion the found footage uh structure completely falls apart and now you're just watching a poorly shot movie mm-hmm. more on that tuesday professional wrestling if you shatter the illusion that this might be a competitive fight you're just watching guy there, there's no tension you're just watching guys roll around on the mat and do gymnastics. It's not fun to watch unless you want to, you know, unless you enjoy watching people throw themselves through tables into ordinary drinking glasses. Observe. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put that on a t-shirt, Mindy. Um, same thing here. I can live with a cartoon that is meant to sell toys if the story is well told and the characters are at least interesting to look at or interesting in and of themselves. My problem with the Equestria Girls was it was a blatant sell job to sell dolls. It was like, we think the, the ponies with the combable hair is fine. But what if they were like Barbies? Because we want to be more competitive with that than anything else. And they, and girls like dolls. And, it's, and it became like we didn't need to turn the horses into girls. But they did because girl dolls sell toys. 
mm-hmm. it was like, come on, man, you've now shattered the illusion of whatever it was this was going to be. Anyway, My Little Pony, the next generation is essentially the same story as Dragonlance, <laughs> minus the King Priest of Istar or whatever the hell he was called. Uh, essentially, magic has left the friendship. The friendship between the three pony tribes has ended. Um, magic has left the realm and the societies have fractured and become paranoid and suspicious of one another. And from there, um, in the Earth Pony town of Maritime Bay, Argyle Starshine teaches his daughter Sunny Star Scout. I love these names. Yeah, these uh, actually are some good names. Of tales of the old Equestria, where Earth Ponies, Pegasi, and Unicorns live together. Most other uh, Earth Ponies believe these are fairy tales and have grown up in fear of the other pony races. Sunny hopes that the three races can be friends. Yay! And already, if trying to put this into the same story story arc as the first or as friendship as magic makes no sense sorry can i get on my uh, pastel colored uh soapbox for a second you can but i'm gonna set you up i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna set you the volleyball so that you can spike it the critically acclaimed one of the critically acclaimed guys william bibiani the one without the kid complained fucking endlessly about how how this doesn't match with the with the uh, friendship is magic show and that there's a missing reel and like he he complained hard for a really long time in the review of this how you he was really frustrated there's no explanation as to why the magic why the friendship ended and the magic left and um and I'm going to let you have your say on that and it's a legitimate point but he went on forever about it and when he kind of looked over at <laughs> Whitney Seibold for his reaction. Whitney Seibold's like, the fucking kid show. My kid liked it. It was fine. I don't need to know how the magic left the realm. They just tell their story. God's sakes. Get all to yourself. And it was just a really funny moment between the guy without the kid and the guy with the kid, who are both professional movie reviewers. But your your thoughts, madam. So the unification of the three pony tribes is actually a key part of the friendship is magic series Mm -hmm. uh there's an episode where they talk about the founding of equestria that's the the land they live in where the pony tribes uh lived in fear and distrust of each other the earth ponies farmed for the food the uh pegasi controlled the weather and the unicorns raised the sun and the moon all right but so they did their parts but they never worked together Mm And the idea is that one day this horrible blizzard. <laughs> they were living in a world of separate but equal. Sure, why not? <laughs> one day this horrible blizzard comes and none of the pony tribes can stop it. Mm-hmm. And it's revealed that it is not a true blizzard. It is the power of, standing by for eye roll, the Windigos. Hang the- on. <laughs> yeah that (laughs) these um ancient spirits that create cold Mm -hmm. and it is and the ponies learn that it is only through their friendship that they can and that they literally can keep things warm enough to drive the windigos away and this all comes to a head in the series finale where the villains have managed to, again, create distrust between the three pony tribes to try to weaken our main character's um, stance, and the Windigos come back. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, the first thing Adam that I think of when I see this, and they confirm that it's taking place years after the reign of Princess Twilight Sparkle, is that I'm sorry, going Wendigos. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and again, it's like I know it's a kids show, but mm -hmm. one of the great things about Friendship is Magic is had this really great set mythology. Yeah, an internal consistent continuity. Exactly. They, they worked so hard on that. And I was really impressed. That's one of the things a lot of fans love about uh, Friendship mm -hmm. is Magic. They, it wasn't just, oh, here comes the cute little horsies. No, they <laughs> actually set up, there was mythologies and there were legends and there right. were these, you know, great characters who learned and the show developed. It was fantasy, the, it was fantasy lore. It was, and it was good fantasy lore. And put it in the same continuity as this and just suddenly go nope no windigos i'm like again what the hell <laughs> okay so i i need to stop interrupting you because i do have a speech about why this doesn't work but i can't keep interrupting you while you're doing the plot so i will try to contain myself <laughs> until we get through wikipedia Okay. Um, years later after her father passes away sunny continuously tries to change the minds of the other earth ponies but they voted for Trump, don't you understand? Never mind. Purposely disrupting a showcase of anti-Pegasi and unicorn technology by Phyllis Cloverleaf. Hitch Trailblazer, Sonny's childhood friend and sheriff of Maritime Bay, pulls her away and prepares to send her back home when a unicorn suddenly wanders into town and a, skele and a skeleton screams out, UNICORN! Wait, that's a different thing. While most of the Earth ponies flee, Sonny befriends the new unicorn, Izzy Moonbow, Probably my favorite character. She's adorable. Yes, but that name quickly takes her to What's her home. The name? I like the name. Izzy Moonbow. Okay. I like it. Sounds like an adopted child of Frank Zappa. Um, As opposed to Sunny Star Scout. They're all silly, but it's fine. It goes with the show. Home to hide uh, from Hitch and his deputy Sprout, the best character in this whole show. Phyllis's son, um, Sonny learns from Izzy that unicorns have long since lost their magic and decides to go with Izzy to Zephyr Heights, the home of the Pegasi, to see if they can help restore the unicorn's magic and reunite the pony tribes. The two dodge Hitch and flee town, and Hitch leaves Sprout in charge while he chases them down. With Hitch gone, Sprout goes on a power-hungry spree and turns the ponies of Maritime Bay into a hostile mob, and they try to kill Michael Myers, but it's too late. Never mind. And uses his Phyllis factory to construct a giant war machine. Um, no shit. And I and I know and I don't know how much of the chat you saw when I was doing this, but I was like live streaming <laughs> the movie. I stopped the movie call because I had to share this with the world. I was laughing. I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard during the you, raw, raw word angry mob. Yeah, the danger, danger song. I um as an aside, when I put up the TikTok for uh, Halloween Kills, I actually use that as the music. Of course you did. <laughs> it's so good. The uh, Again, Whitney Seibold referring to Sprout as Mamar Gaddafi. I, I died. I'm <laughs> just crying. I was laughing so hard. That and is I was good. Like, you know, like, look, whatever else you say about this movie, they're, 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 clearly no one was watching The Farm because there's no way anyone lets them do that with poor knowledge that they're doing it. And so... And the writers are clearly having fun with the medium because there's no other explanation for the Momar Gaddafi fucking My Little Pony and the angry mob. Um, I love the post-Trump world. I really do. Anyway. <laughs> um, Sonny and Izzy are caught in Zephyr Heights and are taken to meet Queen Haven and her two daughters, Pip Petals 
and Zipstorm. When Sunny starts asking about magic, Haven has them taken to the dungeon. Zip secretly visits them and tells them that the Pegasi too lack magic to fly, and the royal family are using wires to pretend to fly. You're a phony, a big fat phony. She helps them to escape an abandoned port to an abandoned port that Sunny realizes was used by all three pony tribes in the past. Sunny sees a glass window that shows two crystals, one of which is set in Haven's crown, may fit together and bring the magic back. The three concoct a plan to steal the crown during Tip's performance that night. When Hitch also arrives, a series of Pratt Falls causes the royal family to reveal to the general public their inability to fly as well. Haven is arrested, and Pip is forced to flee with Sunny, Izzy, and Zip. The group travels to Izzy's home of Bridalwood to collect the unicorn crystal, which Hitch initially trailing along to make sure Sunny returns home, but soon warms up to the others. In Bridalwood, Izzy helps disguise the group as unicorns before they meet Alpha Biddle, a tea shop owner that has the unicorn crystal. Sunny challenges Alpha Biddle to a dance competition and manages to win, but in celebration loses her disguise. As the group flees with the two crystals, they come across Queen Haven, who has also escaped. Sunny and Izzy try to pull the two crystals together, but they fail to do anything. Dejected, Sunny returns the crystals and, and returns home with Hitch. At her house, uh, she receives a gift from Agent Fury, realizes that this, never mind, but packs her up her childhood toys when she discovers that her lamp made by Argyle contains a third crystal ratchet, uh, matching the other two. As she races to tell say, Hitch, there's love, oh, say, <laughs> there's Deus Ex Machina, there's plot convenience, and then there's this. And then there's Iron Man 2. Yep. Uh, they discover that Sprout has turned the entire town to his side and is piloting his war machine. <laughs> his war machine uh we have a tank sunny and hitch are back to her home as izzy pip zip haven and alphabet will arrive gathering the other two crystals sunny izzy and pip try to put them together while hitch and zip hold off sprout's machine the phyllis steps the phyllis steps in and tells Sprout, stop your antics her warning is too late as the machine wrecks sunny's home and in the means to connect the crystals Sonny's new friends, along with Phyllis, Haven, and Alphabet, will put aside their differences and come together to comfort Sonny among the wreckage. And with that, the three crystals begin to glow, lift Sonny into the air, and transform her into He-Man, because she has the power. Or an alicorn, while restoring magic across the land. Sonny and her new friends watch as Earth ponies, unicorns, and Pegasi work together to clean up Sprout's mess and bring a new era of peace to the land, till all are one. Do you get it, folks? I'm making a lot of Transformer and He-Man jokes. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Alexis. I know you are chomping at the horse bit. Get it? Do you get it? Do you, do you get it? I was about to just say, play the damn clip already. <laughs> okay. So I really did want to like this. I did. But it really feels like they're trying too hard to have their hay and eat it too for lack of better words the show continuously reminds us that it's in the same universe as mm -hmm. friendship is magic we have the opening animation featuring twilight and her friends we have the care the kids playing with um dolls that look like the main characters we see little um bits in the background repeatedly the most uh, prominent one i can think of was the poster for the wonderbolts um those who aren't familiar uh that was basically the pegasi version of the blue angels from friendship's magic um this show this movie 
really, really wants you to know that it's coming from Friendship is Magic. But everything is rushed. Mm-hmm. We are not given enough time to get to know most of the characters. Um, I mean, we get to know Sonny and Izzy and Hitch, I think, a little bit. Uh, Zip and Pip, we don't. Pip mm-hmm. is just like a non-existent character in this story arc. Mm-hmm. We have, frankly, the uneasiness of now the ponies having technology. In Frenchman's Magic, they they didn't have technology. They they had a few things that were clearly powered by magic, but obviously electricity. This one, they've got cell phones and live streaming, and it's, yes, and they're able to operate these things with hooves. That's actually something that kind of did bug me. Frenchman's Magic went out of its way that the Earth ponies couldn't just grab things with their hooves, just like suction cup right you know they they usually use their mouths or you could see them bend their hooves a little bit right owners are made of rubber unless the plot dictates they get hurt yeah but it just yeah it looked weird to see them just like like that right it looks so bizarre not to mention having sunny become an alicorn at the end made no sense if you know the story arc of french's magic how you get the alicorns okay I, I, I don't, and I think I just accepted it as we need a new Twilight Sparkle. And since she was your main character trying to unite the tribes and bring back the magic, I think from a standalone story point of view, the character with that goal, achieving achieving that and, and rising to, you know, and becoming Rodimus Prime um, made sense to me. But I, I will accept that it doesn't keep in continuity. Like I said, if this, sh- I feel that this would have been a lot better if they had not put this in Equestria. Okay. Um, now, I have no problem with the idea of saying in this new world with the ponies that. Kind of like a she deal? Yeah, exactly. Saying that the three tribes have fallen on hard times that have now mm-hmm. no longer talked to you. like, fine, I'll buy that. But constantly trying to tie it back into My Little Pony Friendships and Magic, it really feels like the creators are essentially saying, see, it's the same thing. Like us! Like us! Like they want they want the reward of association without actually putting the work of association in. Exactly. Now, this My Little Pony New Generation is getting a TV show. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not crazy that it's going to be CGI like the movie. I genuinely think it would have looked better if it was classic 2D animation, but whatever so a lot of this may get resolved but again i watched this and it really just didn't do it for me it genuinely felt like they were again they were trying to get the reward and not put in the work trying to have their cake and eat it too it was just very lackluster you don't get to know the characters that well sunny actually kind of annoyed me mm-hmm. um I was watching another review of the of the movie and they brought something up and it kind of triggered a memory for me. I know you kid you didn't watch uh, Courage Cowardly Dog. Are you familiar with a Nickelodeon show called Rocket Power? No. Okay. Another show completely. Uh kind of tight, you know, uh, appeal to the extreme sports kids. Okay. Well, there's an episode I I wasn't a huge fan, but there's an episode I remember. Uh, these kids, the kids in the show go uh, skiing, snowboarding, whatever. They go to the mountains for uh, winter sports. And they see a group of kids going down. And one of them, one of the kids they see has a prosthetic leg. Mm-hmm. And she's snowboarding with it. And 
and one of the main characters she operates i think it, they called it a, a zine z-i-n-e yeah 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 punk rock thing yeah uh and she said she wanted to do an article on this um disabled snowboarder mm-hmm and she could ask her all these questions about it. And at no point does she actually, and the, the snowboarder actually gets annoyed because she's like, you're just asking me about my leg. I'm, I'm not just my leg. Yeah. You know? And I realized that Sunny was doing the same thing. She wasn't trying to be friends with Izzy and Pip and Zip because she genuinely found them to be interesting ponies. Right. She was trying to be friends with them because they were Pegasi and unicorns. She kept asking all these questions about them being Pegasi and unicorns. At no point does she actually try to get to know these characters better as they are. You know, we know so little about the other characters aside from their main characteristics and a little bit of what they're into. We know that Izzy is into crafts. We know that uh, Pip is a live streamer and likes pop music. We know that Zip is a tomboy and athletic, but we really don't get to know these characters. And Sunny is trying so hard to basically, like I said, I feel that this is actually detrimental to kids because Sunny is not trying to be friends with them for the sake of being friends. She wants to restore the magic. That's it. That's really all her goal is. She's just trying to prove that she was right. Right. You have this ending scene where the kids, the characters all come back to stop the war machine. And I think it's Zip says something about, we don't run out on friends. And I'm sort of going, you were friends? Because <laughs> right. I really don't get it. I don't, I do not feel the bond. The first two episodes of Friendship is Magic are about Twilight discovering the importance of having friends. And you actually really see the bond that she develops with these five other ponies. I was going to say, from what I remember of the show, that was a major source of conflict was when there was a, a, a internal conflict between one of two pony, you know, between some pair of ponies on the show, mm-hmm. you know, and trying and trying to resolve that conflict because th- we were in danger of not being friends anymore. Like that, that was a constant running theme throughout that show. Exactly. This does not feel like that it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it, the friendship thing is earned and yeah having sunny suddenly become an alicorn it's like i genuinely don't feel like she deserved it i'm okay. sorry i don't hell the whole it wasn't the crystals that need to be brought together it was us it's like you've been saying that since the beginning you have learned nothing she <laughs> I, hasn't. that was my uh, again i i can't I, I, I appreciate the point of view whenever this comes up with anything that has, you know, comic books, whatever, anything that has source material. I've, I was definitely approaching it as somebody who was just watching a film and, you know, and does this work or doesn't it work? And that was it. Very binary. And I'll tell you, I actually had a problem with the resolution for that reason. It's, you know, that how dumb are you? You know, it's, it's like there are three of you. One of you, there's a crystal for each, and you couldn't figure out that you're going to need all three crystals to unlock the magic? What the hell? Wasn't there even a broken third window? <laughs> I, I think there was. Yeah. Like, but... did, did you not put one, two, one, one, and one together? Yeah. I how, how, how dumb is this main character that you couldn't figure out the mystery until there was literally, almost literally someone screaming it in your face? And you're going, I wonder if I still need a third piece of the puzzle here. All right. <laughs> you know, like... I have to tell you, my experience watching this was, all right, this is, you know, 
they threw a bunch of fantasy tropes in a hat, picked a few of them, you know, constructed their screenplay around it, and rebooted this My Little Pony franchise because this shit makes money and people like it. Fine, whatever. I, You know me. I don't get particularly emotionally moved by any of that, if it's bad, good, or indifferent. But I'm going to tell you that I have at least positive feelings towards this movie because the Danger Danger song is so funny to me. And the... Uh, the anxiety, the general anxiety existing in Hollywood, filtering into a children's, a dumb streaming children's cartoon on Netflix, is so pervasive. <laughs> like we're we're so mad about the last four years, you can't even watch a My Little Pony movie without it creeping in there. Cracks me up on a level I can't really explain. And for that reason alone, I'm like, it's fine. I, is it the best movie I've ever seen? Obviously not. It's very much a C movie for me. It's right there in the middle. It's inoffensive. It's not great. I laughed hard at one thing and then the rest of it and, and just sort of where it fits in our current culture. And then besides that, it was like, you know, as Whitney Seibold said, it's the kind of thing you throw on for your really young kids to kill in 90 minutes and it's utterly forgettable after that. Really is. Most of the song, again, the Danger Danger song I thought was pretty good, but most of the mm -hmm. songs are horribly forgettable. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I, I watched another reviewer and he's talking about the songs and there was at least two. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot <laughs> that there was, you know, that I, song in there. I don't remember a single song beyond Danger Danger, but that's because I've been obsessed with that <laughs> for like two weeks now. The voiceover work is really good. We got a bunch of really good actors. Here. Yeah, as I say, we got uh, Vanessa Hudgens, who's pretty good in this. Uh, Kamiko Glenn. James Marsden, um, who was in the Sonic movie. He was also Cyclops in the first three X-Men movies. Sophia Carson, Liza Koshy, Elizabeth Perkins. Jane Krakowski, who's always great. Ken Jeong, who apparently is in everything. <laughs> Ken Jeong... Uh... Yeah, apparently doesn't know how to say no. I'm afraid he's saving up money to buy a country or or some sort of, you know, weapons of mass destruction. Like this is all like he'll take any gig because he needs the finances to do to, to finance his evil plot. I'm just wondering if they're not paying him for Mass Singer, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't watch, but I know he's on it. I have watched some of that because my daughter and my wife tend to watch it. Thankfully, not religiously. All right. Um, anything else about My Little Pony? If not, we're going to close up shop. Again, I could be 100% wrong on this. Mm -hmm. You know, we do have a TV show coming out, and maybe the show is going to answer all these questions that I've had pop up. Maybe the show will work harder to make these characters more likable. Maybe mm -hmm. it's a case of uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars 3D thing where you had that uh, 3D movie where Anakin has to save Jabba the Hutt's son. Yep. Which was garbage versus the series, which was iconic. Yeah. So I've been proven wrong before on that, but I'm just going to say if this movie is what we're going to get in the TV show, I'm done. I'm done with the fandom. So it sounds like you're going to try and watch it, but if it doesn't keep, capture your interest, you're going to abandon ship. Pretty much. Okay. I'm. If this keeps up, I'm just simply going to say Friendship is Magic fan and that's it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to be watching it. I'm certainly not going to be reviewing it. I, my daughter has sort of grown out of this. She watched it kind of because I put a gun to her head and said, hey, look, I've spent all day in an anime convention. You're fucking watching My Little Pony because I can't justify watching this alone. Um, but 
you know, and then we all had a good laugh at it, you know, whatever else. But when it was over, my daughter kind of looked at me and she was like, can we not do My Little Pony anymore? And I'm like, no, I get it. <laughs> I, I get a 10 year old and I have a seven year old son who's not going to watch this either. So I think uh, it was nice to talk about it with you. I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad we agreed to talk about it because I can't now live without danger, danger in my life. But <laughs> but we're closing. I'm, I'm just letting you know. We're closing the book on My Little Pony. We're gonna we'll, we'll talk. Well, what what is it the thing you wanted to talk about when it eventually gets announced? Cupboard, cupboard, uh, cup, the the video game. Cuphead. That, cuphead. Yeah, yeah. Talk about that. That seems fine. <laughs> um. All right. So that's it. That's our triple feature for today. So like, don't uh, worry. I'll be writing you hard on Cuphead and Has Been Hotel. Sounds like. Yes, you did mention you wanted to do that. All right. Um. Alexis Haina uh, and Jesse Starcher are hosting Tripped Up Trivia. That'll be airing tomorrow, October 30th, depending on when you're listening to this. And then um, Alexis Haina and Jesse again, because you can't get enough of that tag team, uh, are going to be doing Power Rangers, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the crossover that nobody knew they wanted until they got it. And then the next time you'll be hearing from Alexis on the network will be Tuesday, November 9th for Eternals. Um, and then we will be recording Chippendale Park Life. Have you watched that yet? I have not. I think I watched like one episode and mm -hmm. that was it. I hate to say it, this month has been crazy busy. So I have not had a lot of time to watch a lot of new stuff. Mm -hmm. Not going to lie. I actually downloaded uh, Straight Out of Nowhere at the last minute and stayed up watching it because I had completely <laughs> forgotten. Trying to get your homework done before uh, before class, huh? Exactly. Not that I didn't want to see it. I did. Mm. I just got so busy. I completely forgot. I was like, oh, crap. I got. I still got to watch this movie. Thankfully, so, it was an hour and 15 minutes. You've only seen my podcast schedule, and I think I've briefly showed you what the whole thing looks like. I have to schedule, like, TV watch time. Like, you'll sometimes pop in the chat, like, has anyone watched this? And I'm like, no, because it's not come to that day on my schedule yet. <laughs> I, if I don't, I won't get this stuff watched in time, and then I'll be scrambling. Um. So uh, Alexis and I will have another noon review um, two weeks from today. We'll be doing Chippendale Park Life. And then um, I have jumped out of this one. It looks like it's going to be uh, Robert, Alexis, and Jesse talking what if. Um, Friday night, late after uh, Robert gets done with SmackDown. And then after that, uh, Alexis will be back for... Only murders in the room, and that's going to be Thursday, November eighteenth. So, I still remember when they announced that on Disney Plus or on uh, the Disney Investors Meeting last year. Mm -hmm. And even then, I said, "Let's keep an eye out for this because I know we should probably review it when it comes out." Yeah, it's it's gotten good. It's gotten really good reviews. I'm looking forward to watching it. I'll, I'll watch anything with Steve Martin, and I think he's hilarious. Mm, absolutely, not to just see Martin and Martin Short teaming up. You always um, get really good with those two. As far as any other DMU Hollywood, uh, like I said, Eternals and Canto and just thrown on the schedule because when Alexis asks and there is time, I will usually I will usually accommodate her. And so she was like, hey, Bruce Campbell's. Uh, what, did, what did Rob refer to this as? It's called um, it's Black Friday. No, the, the term splat something. Um, splat comedy. I don't I, I don't Robert like call it something. I don't yeah. know. But I wasn't paying attention to that. Using the no, term splat. Yeah, no, this is a movie starring Bruce Campbell as a manager at a toy store. 
getting ready to work the Black Friday madness when all of a sudden the store becomes overrun with zombies. Like, like it does. Naturally. Um, and to which I saw the trailer, I was like, oh my God, yes, 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 yes. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll tackle that at the end of the month. Um, all right. This past week, we had uh, the last duel reviewed, Donnie Darko, uh, WWE Crown. Crown Jewel 2021. Um, Jesse's has his Rise of the Midnight Sun series for unspoken issues. We reviewed Dune, uh, the new Halloween from June, uh, self-titled. And then yesterday, uh, myself and Gavin Napier reviewed Ted Lasso season two. Plus, we dropped a whole bunch of re-airs, our parts one and two of the Paranormal Activity movies, which cover one through four. And then the split seven inch that Robert and I did. Or I saw a gem in the holograms, and he saw a paranormal activity, the ghost dimension, and we debated which one was more horrifying. <laughs> tonight, I uh, wait for your souls. <laughs> tonight, speaking of weeping, um, Jason Teasley has uh, hornswoggled me into covering the first season of You, Y-O-U. Season three just dropped on Netflix. We're trying to play catch up here. So tonight, you'll get a review of the first season of You. And lastly, for you boxing fans that happen to be watching this, Myself and Robert Cooper, Robert Winfrey, rather, will be doing boxing coverage uh, on the 30th. We're going to be doing Jose Zapata versus Josu Vargas. So that's what we got here. Like, comment, and subscribe. Interact with us. Um, I will interact with you mo more than likely, wherever that may be. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, or on Twitch, YouTube. Uh, more interaction, more likes, more subscribers. The more the algorithm likes us, the more people will find us. And then the more thing, and then hey, then you can make suggestions like other people do. Like, hey, you doing this? And then I'll, you know, like oh, I guess if people are interested in Game of Thrones, we can talk about it. So, <laughs> um, true story. And that's me, Alexis. We're gonna will now tell you about what she's doing that I haven't covered. All right. Well, first of all, yes, we did just record or we recorded our uh, Trypto Trivia for October. The theme is, of course, horror movies uh, tying into Halloween. Uh, we are getting ready to uh, do prep work for November's Trypto Trivia. The theme is Disney. It's going to be looking at Disney movies, Disney TV show shows, plural, and uh, Disney parks. I do believe, Mark, your wife wants to uh, jump in. Yeah. Yep. I uh, provided that something doesn't happen and we're not end up we're not busy on the night that we're recording this. I'm going to make my wife play separately from me. We're, <laughs> we're we're two different contestants. Okay, we're not tag teaming. She's going right. to go in a room with her with her with her laptop or whatever, and I'm going to stay right here where I am and I'm going to kick her butt. That's my plan. Always good. No phone of friends available. <laughs> but uh, we are going to be looking for more contestants. So if you're interested in playing, hit us up on uh, Facebook or Twitter. Uh, let us know if you're interested. If your Disney knowledge of Disney parks and Disney movies puts ours to shame, we are always interested. So we got that. Um, I know that our trip to trivia in December is going to be Christmas themed, but we haven't set a record date for that. But again, if you are interested in that, Facebook, Twitter, let us know. We will be looking for contestants for that. I would play, but my answers to everything would be Dominic the Donkey. <laughs> the fun thing about video is I get to see when people are having an aneurysm. I haven't had my caffeine yet, Mark. <laughs> Go on. All right. So, yes, got that. Uh, like I said, you really haven't had me on a lot of shows lately, and you've got me on a few, but not a ton for mm -hmm. uh, November. 
little weird because usually I'm used to it's like, okay, so what what time have I not sold to Mark yet? I am I am trying to not overload you, not do you know, like, oh look, <laughs> nothing for six weeks, all the shows in one week, spreading you out like butter. Um, not, I was like, well, we're I'm used to you using me like every day for si for six weeks. <laughs> that's what you did for most of the fall. All right, um, so that's that. I think our next triple feature. Uh, Robin and I have been having a long conversation about Oscar uh, about Oscar movies and the state of cinema, which somehow then backed us both into an alley where we're going to be reviewing Nomadland, Mank, and The Father. That's a week from tonight. So if you're enjoying the triple feature structure, that's the next one. And then the one after that will be a couple of new movies. Um, it'll be uh, Red Notice, Army of Thieves, and Home Sweet Home. And that's going to be Ron Ronnie Adams and Robert Winfrey. I actually, uh, real quick, I asked Dan Lansby, who is also, he actually works in the musical theater world, to do a review for um, Tick, Tick, Boom. Everybody's talking about Jamie and Diana the musical. Um, he hasn't answered me on whether or not he's going to do it. It's on the calendar, and currently nobody has that one. I have, I have a triple feature of three musicals that nobody wants to talk about. So we'll see if anyone takes that one. I'm throwing it out there in, in case you want to jump on any of that. So, And then you'll be on for West Side Story. Of course. I was the only person who said we should do that instead of the Kurt Wagner uh, biopic that's coming out because sports ball, what's that? <laughs> I can't think of no better way to end this other than sports ball, what's that? All right, folks, that's our triple feature. For Alexis Haina, I'm Mark Radledge. Be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>